for, as he puts it, God or genius, depending. I hustled about with a dark green garbage bag, tossing in my crusty black plastic tray of lean cuisine lasagna and mumbling about whether I could get her some hot tea, as though tea was something we actually drank in this house. Hot water, she replied, shivering. You want some? No, I'm in it. Oh. I put down the garbage bag and sat on the cleared coffee table. I guess that's why you're here, say? My gaze wandered over to my purse, which held my spiral-bound reporter's notebook. It's not every day that a murderer escapee wanders into the house of a beautician-turned-budding reporter, offering the news story of a lifetime. I'm here because I need a real reporter, one who's not too jaded to get at the truth. Carol crossed her legs and straightened her posture. I've been reading your articles on Henry Metzger, Bubbles, and I have to admit, I've been impressed. For some reason, this flattered me. Carol used to be married to the head flack at Lehigh Steel, referred to around here as simply Steel. Weaver was the guy who issued press releases filled with lies about what a progressive company Steel was, how it treated its workers fairly and was constantly pushing for innovative, non-polluting ways to turn out iron bars. Funny. Iron bars is what Henry Medsker, the former chairman of Steel, should have been behind all along. His crimes were too numerous to list, though I managed to expose a few in my investigative pieces for the News Times. Thank you, I said, shifting on the coffee table, and realizing that my skirt was sticking to the residue of a spilled atreet. But you broke out of prison to tell me that? I broke out of prison because someone's trying to kill me. Carol leaned forward. You're my last resort. I was back to being uncomfortable again. Can't you find other last resorts? Like ones with palm trees and Caribbean addresses, far, far away from my house? Couldn't she sit in another chair so she wasn't in full view of the street outside? As if she had read my mind, Carol hopped up and started checking windows and once or twice trying the front door lock. While Carol's back was turned, I made a dash for my handbag, flipped open the notebook and clicked the pen attached. Remember when we first met? She said, staring out the window. It was shortly after you caught your husband cheating while you were supposed to be at work. What was that jerk's name? Dan Ritter. Though, um, he calls himself Chip, you know, to sound more waspy when he married Wendy. Right. Carol made a clucking noise. They're all the same, aren't they, these men? They get to a certain age, attain a certain degree of success, wake up one day, turn over in bed, and decide that the wife looks like their mother. They get scared and become repulsed. They... I cut through the Oprah-esque psychoanalysis. Is that why you killed your husband? Because he was cheating on you? You can't hide stuff like adultery from beauticians. The House of Beauty had been buzzing about the Weaver's marital woes for weeks before one word of it hit the press. I didn't kill Hal. I loved Hal. 
and even though I'd heard rumors that he was sleeping around, I never saw evidence of that. He still loved me. Carol sucked in a deep breath. We had a terrific sex life. I must have seemed skeptical, because Carol added testily, I'm being honest, can't you tell? I'd think that after holding someone's hands for two hours a month, you'd get to know a person, Bubbles. That was a direct reference to the fact that Carol had been a regular customer of mine at the House of Beauty. She had searched me out because I was the only manicurist in town who still did acrylic nails the old-fashioned way. I didn't drill holes into the natural nails. I filed. And if it was a French manicure you were looking for, I never painted on the white. It was applied with a careful streak of dental enamel. The resulting nails were stronger than a bear's canines. So strong that when Carol soaked the tips in cyanide and then raked them across her husband's back in a sexual homicidal frenzy, not one nail broke. This was a fact harped on repeatedly by the Lehigh PD's homicide division, which was positively clueless when it came to manicures. I tried to explain that natural nails were actually sharper than Carol's rounded acrylic ones, but the detectives had already formed a theory that Carol's nails were murder weapons, murder weapons I had meticulously constructed and buffed with a tasteful pink gloss. If you didn't kill your husband, Carol, then who did? How about Henry Metzger? Good luck getting to the bottom of that pit. Henry Metzger is dead, shot before my very eyes. But Henry Metzger may have ordered the hit, and a faction at Steele took up his cause. What cause? That's the key question, isn't it? That's what you need to find out. She parted my blinds, peeking out, and then shutting them tighter. My husband told me once he knew a secret that could bring down Steele. He must have been right, because he was killed by Steele's upper management to keep quiet. I wrote this down. Carol was making an impassioned claim, but like many members of the state's penal club, she was conveniently glossing over a few illogical details. I've heard of Steele's goons breaking the legs of union leaders, I said, but scratching vice presidents to death? It's... it's too feminine. That's exactly what Steele wants you to think. She put her hands on her hips. That's why they took pains to make sure there was cyanide on my nails when the cops arrived that morning. I don't know how those evil SOBs at Steele managed to pull that trick. But let me tell you right now, they can get away with anything they want in this town, including framing an innocent wife for murder. What about your daughter? Can't she help... Kira is twenty and pregnant. Far too young and immature for motherhood, if you want my opinion. Certainly she doesn't. Kira won't speak to me. Hasn't since the arrest. The only sounds in the room were of rain beating against the aluminum siding and my pen scratching along the tablet. Tonight, after I got out, I stood outside my daughter's house in the rain and stared into her windows, hoping to see some sight of her. Isn't that weird? Not really. My mother does that all the time. I took one last note. Drives me crazy. 
She keeps claiming she doesn't want to be a bother. It's okay. You don't have to ask me in, she says. I like the cold. The rain's good for my arthritis. Carol frowned. This is a bit different, Bubbles. My daughter's due to give birth near Christmas. She'll need her mother there to help her get some rest and cook her warm dinners. This kid hasn't a clue of how much work motherhood involves. That last line got me. Whatever I've said about Mama, about her retro-sixties fashion trends, penchant for dangerous octogenarians in fake Kmart leather, and her ability to embarrass me with her painfully personal comments made to strangers, I will always be grateful to her for the weeks she spent with me after Jane was born. Dan the man was useless, of course, passed out at dirty diapers, and became nauseous at one whiff of sour milk. Mama had been a godsend. I pray every night that I'll be reconciled with Kira, but that will be impossible if I'm dead. It sounds awful to say, but deep down, I'm grateful my cellmate Marta was almost murdered tonight, and not me. The pen slipped across the tablet as my stomach did a quick somersault. Your cellmate was almost murdered? That's right. And your reaction was to break out of prison and rush right over to my house? I just wanted to get this straight. Because this is the kind of fact pattern cops find very interesting when they're booking someone for harboring a fugitive. Hear me out, Carol tented her fingers. Marta stole from a care package I received in the mail yesterday, postmarked from Socon Valley. The package contained Moravian spice cookies with extra cloves, just the way I like